This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope that this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, and I'm going to read verse 16 through 18. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16 through 18. Look what the Bible says. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me, and he was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently, and he found me. The Lord granted him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And in many things, not a few things, but in many things, he ministered unto me at Ephesus. Thou knowest very well. I'm starting a new series of messages today entitled, Better Together. And I want to talk to you today about encouragement. Encouragement. And this is what I know about encouragement. Encouragement is better together. When I was a boy, I used to watch a program. As a matter of fact, I still watch it. It's the Andy Griffith Show. The Andy Griffith Show. Yes, uh, just a, yes, you can clap. That's a, that's a wholesome program, amen? A good, wholesome program. And I used to watch Andy Griffith. I literally, hey, I literally enjoyed the program so much. I went to Mayberry, uh, Mount Airy, North Carolina. I went to Mayberry and spent the night in Andy Griffith's home. I enjoyed the program that much. But it was wonderful. It was about a small-town sheriff by the name of Andy Taylor, and he had a deputy. Actually, only a few episodes say this, but the deputy was actually his cousin. His name was Barney Fife. He was a sharp guy. But anyway... It was a comedy. It was a comedy, and they played off one another. It was wonderful. It's wholesome. If you've never watched it, you've got to watch it. I mean, it's, it's just tremendous. It began in 1960, and 1965, something happened. Don Knotts decided he wanted to go into films. He decided he wanted to go off the show. And Don Knotts went off the show in 1965. They brought on another deputy. His name was Warren Ferguson. Warren Ferguson. Now, Warren was a sharp guy too. But I tell you what, the program never was the same. They tried to revitalize the program. They even put the program in color in 1965, but he still didn't do it. And eventually, in 1968, it went off the air. Because, see, when you separated Andy Taylor... And Barney Fife, it just wasn't the same. Because there are things, folks, that are just better together. There are things that just go together. They're better together. You know what? For you hunters, for you hunters, a, a bow's of no value unless you have the arrows. And for you golfers, a golf club's really of no value unless you have the balls because they go together. They're things that just go together. A toothbrush and toothpaste, they just go together. I mean, a, a politician and money, they just go together. <laughs> a, a, a doctor and insurance, it just goes together. 
Now, this is what I know for sure. Diet Mountain Dew and banana puddings, it just goes together. There are things that just go together. And encouragement is better together. Now, here's what I could do today. I could preach about how Paul was a great encouragement or Peter, or I could preach about how Moses was, David was. But I'll tell you what I want to do. I want to talk to you about a guy that's only mentioned twice in the Bible. He has a unique name. His name is Onsiphorus. Onsiphorus is only mentioned two times in the Bible. Now, we don't know a, a lot about this guy, but let me tell you three things that we know about him. First of all, we know that he was from Ephesus. And I remember taking a trip to Ephesus, and many of you went to Ephesus with me, and we went to Ephesus, Turkey, and found out that Ephesus, Turkey now is 99% Muslim. But Ephesus, he was from Ephesus because in Acts 19, 1 through 10, Paul went on his third missionary journey, and he established a church right here. There's a second thing we know about this man. His whole family were Christians. His whole family, they were believers. If it had been September the 8th and there was a grandparents' day at Rock Springs Church, the whole family would have showed up because they were all Christians, folks. There's nothing better than having your family all have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, folks, if you have family members that don't have faith, that's why we have these special days so you can invite them so you can invite them and they can come and hear the gospel. And then there's a third thing we know. He helped Paul in many ways. His name on Cephas means bringing profit. Bringing profit. This is what Paul said. He often refreshed me. Now, now get this down, folks. Every time I was around this guy, he refreshed me. Every time I was around this guy, he encouraged me. Every time I was around this guy, he lifted me up. And what I want us to do, I want us to look at what to look for in a refresher. And folks, I don't be real practical. I want us to look at our lives and how we can become a refresher. How we can, hey, by the way, you're here today. Why, why, why do we come to church? Do we come to church, folks, just because we want to provide a job for Pastor Benny? No, no, no. Think about what Hebrews 10 and 25 says. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. It says we go to church to lift up one another. We go to church because to encourage one another. We go to church to help one another and benefit one another and, and make people uh, feel better, know they're loved, and know we care about them. That's what church is all about. Now, I want us to look at Onsiphorus, and there's three primary things I want us to see. First of all, I want to see the identification. The identification. And a couple, three things about Onsiphorus and Paul and the relationship. First of all, I want you to see he respected his plot. <laughs> he respected his plot. Now, let me give you the background. Paul's in a Roman prison. He's got chains on his hands and his feet. That prison is basically a dungeon, ladies and gentlemen. He's there. 
Now, what happened after he gets there? Look what the Bible says. This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. Wait. He's at a low time, and everybody turned away. Phygelus and Hermogenes, who I thought were my friends, but when I went to prison, they went the other way. But there was a man who respected my plot. And he came to where I was. He respected his plot. Because, folks, he never let where Paul was overshadow who Paul was. <laughs> he never let where Paul was overshadow who Paul was. You know what a true friend is? A true friend is somebody who walks in when everybody else walks out. And you know what he said? He said, let me tell you about Onesiphorus. Hermogenes and Phygelus, they cut out. But this man, Onesiphorus, he was not ashamed of my chains. When I was at my lowest point, he stood beside me. He respected his plot. You know, it reminds me of the story in John chapter 8. John chapter 8, the Pharisees are bringing this lady to Jesus. And they said, we, they're dragging her. We've caught her in adultery. We've caught her in the very act. <laughs> and the law says she ought to be stoned. Here's a question I had. Where's the man? If she was caught in that, she wasn't alone, amen? I tell you, I think I know, I think he was one of their friends. See, it's easy, folks, to cast the stone at somebody else. It's easy to be judgmental about somebody else. But let me tell you something. If you're busy judging them, you're not busy loving them. If you've got time and so busy judging them, you really don't have time to love them. And folks, it's not our place to judge people. That's God's place. That's God's place. He's not called us to be a judge. He's not called us to be prosecuting attorneys. He's called us just to be witnesses and tell people what he's done in our lives. You know, there's only one record, and it was right here. Jesus started riding in the ground. That's the only record of Jesus ever riding. You think, Pastor, what do you think he was riding? I think he was probably riding those guys' sins. He was probably riding their sins in the ground. And then he said, ye be without sin, cast a stone. I thought about this, folks. They saw what she had done. And forgot who she was. But Jesus saw who she was and forgot what she had done. And then Jesus said to those guys, you that are out sin, cast a stone at her. And I tell you what I believe. I believe if one of those birds had cast a stone, Jesus would have turned it into rubber and it would have bounced back and knocked their brains out. <laughs> he respected his plot, but I tell you something else he did. 
he responded promptly. Look, folks, uh, somebody said, well, you need, to, you need to refreshers or Johnny on the spot. They're not only Johnny on the spot, but they know how to spot Johnny. <laughs> the Bible says he sought me out. Folks, let me tell you. You want a fulfilled life? You get up in the morning and you look for people to help. You get up in the morning and you look for people to pour your life into. You get up in the morning and you decide, I'm not going to be a mirror person. I'm going to be a window person. I'm going to live my life and I'm going to focus on other people. I'm going to give flowers to other people. And when you give flowers to other people, it leaves a fragrance in your hands. There's a reason why 85% of pink ladies don't have any emotional problems because their focus is not on themselves. It's on somebody else. Let me tell you the third thing he did. He relieved his pressure. <laughs> Look what verse 18 says. All in many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus. In many things he ministered unto me. Now, we see his identification but I want you to see manifestation. You say, Pastor, what are you, what are you talking about? Well, how did he flesh out? How did he flesh out being a refresher? And there's four words I want you to get. Word number one is presence. Presence. He fleshed it out, folks, just by being there. People don't remember what you say. <laughs> They remember what you do. You say, well, pastor, they're going through a hard time and I don't know what to say. You don't need to say anything. Think about it. Job's friends came to him in Job chapter 2 and for seven days they just sat there and they helped him. It was when they started talking that they messed up. You read Job chapter 2 verse 13. For seven days they just sat there just being there. Yesterday, folks, I was in a setting. Young boy, 17 years old, was buried. I walked in with the family. There's no magic words. There's no magic words. Well, you need to tell them all things work together for good. Let me tell you something. When people go through a hardship, immediately they're not prepared to hear that. Maybe down the road, perhaps. But when it immediately happens, they're not prepared to hear that. What do they need out of you? They just need your presence. They just need to know you care. They just need to know you came. They just need you to be there. Jackie Robertson was the first black man, black man to integrate professional baseball. I read his story and he said in his story, he got numerous death threats. He'd go into visiting cities to play, and they'd boo him and call him names. He'd step up to bat, and they'd call him names. It's terrible. It's terrible. He said one day he was playing in Brooklyn, and they hit a grounder to him, and it went through his legs. He said, when it went through my legs, even the fans in Brooklyn started booing. He said, I'm playing for this team, and they're booing me. And he said, in the midst of those boos, we had a shortstop by the name of Pee Wee Reese.
And he said, Pee Wee just walked over to all those boos and just placed his arm around me and looked that crowd in the face. Didn't say anything. Just put his arm around me and looked that crowd in the face that was booing me. And he said, most people think Pee Wee Reese saved my career. But he said, he not only saved my career, he saved my life. Let me tell you something, folks. Your presence. You want to be a refresher? Your presence. You say, well, I just decided, I just think I'll stay home. No, no. Sometimes it's your presence in going that can make all the difference. We encourage people with our presence. But let me tell you something else. We encourage people with our preference. Preference. Look what Romans 12 and 10 says. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. What do, you, what do you mean, pastor, preference? I mean, folks, you stepping back so somebody else can step up. I mean, it's good for us sometimes when we're not chosen. It's good for us sometimes when we don't win. It's good for us sometimes when we don't get the acclaim and the praise. It's healthy to step back so others can step up. You don't have to be the bride at every wedding or the corpse at every funeral. <laughs> I love what Abraham Lincoln said. He said, don't worry when you're not recognized, but strive to be worthy of recognition. It takes a big person to be able to congratulate somebody else when you didn't win. It takes a big person to be proud for somebody else when maybe you didn't get it. You weren't rewarded, but you prefer the other person. That's what refreshers do. We refresh with our presence, but we refresh with our preference. But let me tell you thirdly, we refresh with our pen. We refresh with our pen. I love what Martin, Martin Luther said. Poor old Martin. <laughs> I love what Martin Luther said. Martin Luther said, to change the world, pick up your pen. To change the world, pick up your pen. In my office, I've got an envelope. It's full of encouraging cards. It's full of encouraging letters. When I'm going through a time, I just, a tough time, I just read them. I just read them. Now, folks, if I get negative ones, <laughs> I preached a message one time. Apparently, I offended some people and got a letter, and my assistant showed it to me. One big letter, all it said was, idiot. She said, Pastor, what do you think? I said, well, you know, most of the time we get these letters, they're anonymous and they don't sign it. I said, this time they signed it with no letter. There's <laughs> a fourth way, folks, that we manifest it. We manifest it with our purse. We manifest it with our purse. Now, just out of curiosity, 
How many of us would like to have friends? Sure. And you know what's so wonderful, folks? You know what's so wonderful? The Bible tells us how we can have friends. I need friends, you need friends, but the Bible tells us how we can have friends. First of all, look what it says here. A man who has friends must show himself friendly. Here's what he hears. If you want to have friends, you, you need to be nice to people. If you want to have friends, you say, well, he didn't speak to me. Well, you speak to him. I came to church and nobody was friendly. Well, were you friendly? Were you friendly? A man who has friends must show himself friendly. Folks, you get what you give. Friendly. So if we're friendly, if we're kind, if we care about people, if not that person, you're going to get back what you sow. You're going to get, I'm, I'm training pastors Wednesday. And you know what I tell those pastors? If you'll get your churches to smile, your congregation will grow by 10%. I preached in some of their churches. Oh, mercy. <laughs> if they could get their congregations to smile, I preached to them. I said, please smile at me. If you don't have any teeth, just gum me to death. It will help me if you'll smile. <laughs> because, see, folks, you get what you give. Friendly. It's nobody's, it's nobody's responsibility to speak to me. It's my responsibility. It's my responsibility. That Walmart's figured it out. That's why the guy says, welcome to Walmart. <laughs> Every time I go, welcome to Walmart. It's good to be here. And my daughter will say, why do you have to say anything? Why can't you just? <laughs> it's good to be here. See, you get what you give. Here, now listen. Now, this confused the 8, 30, 8 o'clock crowd, but let's see if you can do it. Take your hand just like this. Take that index finger. Take that index finger and put it right there on your thumb. Gosh, you're doing great. Now, everybody, you're doing great. Now, now, now look, you're doing great. Look here. Now, 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 put it on your chin. That's not your chin. <laughs> but it proves something. You get what you give. You get what you give. You get what you give. But there's another verse that helps us out. Look what it says. Many will entreat the favor of the prince, and every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. Sir Lancelot said there's no gift without the giver. I went to Israel, and there's one place I always make my tour guide take me. I say, I want to go to the Ela Valley. I go to the Ela Valley, and I want the people to see where David killed Goliath, but I also want to go down to a brook. And I go down to a brook, and I get some of those stones where David took that stone, and the people said, oh, David, that giant's so big, he could hurt you. And David said, that giant's so big, I can't miss. And I, yeah, and, and he took that stone. And the other night, I have a neighbor. I have a neighbor where I live. His name is Olin Mills. Now, he's not the Olin Mills, but his name is Olin Mills. And I went down to Olin Mills' house because Barbara and I went down there and, and, uh, and uh, to see her and uh, let her know that we were praying for her. And I was getting ready to go, and I said, Miss Mills, I want to give you this. I got this in Israel. It's just a stone, da-da-da. David killed Goliath. And I could tell it touched her. 
And the next morning at the gym, he came in and he said to me, you'll never know what that stone meant. Didn't cost me anything. He said, it was on the nightstand last night. And all during the night, she'd reach over and grab it and just hold it. She'd reach over and grab it and just hold it and pray. Tell you something, folks. There's no gift without the giver. And what a gift says to somebody, I'm thinking about you and I'm not thinking about me. That my eyes are not on me, my eyes are are on you. My care is not for me, but my care is for you. Identification, manifestation. But what is the motivation? Now, look, we're we're, we're done. We're, We're basically done. But what would make a man go to Rome, go into this dungeon, find this guy in prison that everybody has had a mass exodus away from? What would be his motivation? I think I realized it. In Acts chapter 19, I believe Onesiphorus said, This man came to our town, and he started a church. And because that man started that church, I got saved. I became a believer. And because that man started that church, my wife became a believer. Because God used that man to start that church, my children, my children are now in church. And he said, after what that man's done for me, it's the least I can do. Pastor, what is your motivation? This morning on the way to church, I called a man that I call every Sunday morning. And I say to him, Clayton Jones, thank you for when we were selling whiskey out our back door illegally and everybody knew it you a preacher we were so far from church but you would pull into our drive and you would say to my mother you are welcome at church you're welcome Clayton Jones you cared more about us than what people thought You cared more about us than anything. I remember, folks, as a kid, 18 years old, working at Ghoul Century, working in a foundry, cleaning commodes, and a man by the name of Don Mason said to me, you ought to go to Bible college. And I said to him, I'm not smart enough to go to Bible college. He said, I'll tell you what, you are. If you'll go to Bible college, every degree you'll complete, I'll pay for. And he paid for an associate's, a bachelor's, a master's, and a doctorate. I remember being a kid, living right down the road from my family, and right down the road from my wife's family. And to say it, I think I'm supposed to go to Georgia 30 years ago. Barbara saying, 
I'll go with you. If that's what you think we need to do, I'll go with you. I remember being here about a year and my wife getting real sick. Going to my board and saying, board, I've got to resign Sunday. You all need a pastor and I need to go home and take care of my wife. And I remember looking at those men and those men starting to cry. Saying, no, no, don't go home. We'll put your wife in Emory Hospital. Take six months. <laughs> six months, your job will still be waiting on you. Never gotten over that, folks. Let me tell you something, folks. When I think about the people that have poured their life into me, it's motivation for me pouring back. It's motivation for me pouring back. It's motivation for me pouring back. It's motivation for me pouring. When I think about, folks, how good the Lord's been to me, it's motivation for me to pour back into people. You know why we ought to be a refresher? Yeah, I see the identification. I see the manifestation. But the motivation ought to be, folks, people that have poured into us. People that have encouraged us. People that have believed in us. People that have given us opportunity. When you see that turtle on that fence post, he didn't get there by himself, amen. You didn't get where you're at by yourself. Somebody helped you along the way. And we have a responsibility to turn around and help other people. Encouragement is better together. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know this decision is not based on how you feel right now because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.